What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special repeat guest, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Mindset extravaganza is about to be undertaken, so without further ado, how are you, man? Man, I'm phenomenal. I, uh, I love talking to you, and uh, like you said, our conversations are always a uh, enlightening so i'm looking forward to get another one of these and continue to many more in the future i agree man i agree it's always a pleasure catching up with you i feel like every time we get off the phone i feel much more just like at peace with where i'm at in life but then also much more you know excited and ramped up about where i'm going like it just is a, a mindset i don't know it's like a reboot almost <laughs> yeah we uh re-download some good software get some upgrades and then just keep pushing forward Shoot, yeah, man. Do you remember the the time frame of our last podcast? We we've talked several times since then, but I don't remember when we recorded the last one. It was over a year ago, I believe, wasn't it? Over a year ago, I, I, that yeah. wouldn't surprise me. It's been a while. It's been a minute. It's crazy because I know you've had a lot, you know, happen to your life since then. Um, I've I've had a lot happen to me since then as well. I feel like I'm coming <laughs> coming at you from a very different foundation now than I was a year ago. I was I was still pretty broke a year ago. Yeah, you, uh, you've had tremendous success and you've improved in leaps and bounds in many facets. Um, uh, and I've already told you, but officially congratulations on your uh, engagement. That's phenomenal. Very happy for you and, and Crystal. Um, again, like you said, you've really expanded. You've, you're truly taking the entrepreneurial journey and now you are truly scaling. The uh, keto brick is destroying it. Um, you're, a lot of the programs that you have are just really revolutionizing what's going on in this space. And then it's really helping get to other people. You, you've run that marathon since we spoke the, the first time. Um, you really kind of delved into a, the, an extended fast, which again, the, these are all the ways that we really push ourselves and ask more of ourselves. And if, if we don't you know, try to push the boundaries, at least in some capacity, it's really difficult for us to continue to evolve. And you've absolutely done a phenomenal job you know, doing that over the last, you know, 12 months. So I'm really impressed with you. Well, I, I certainly appreciate it, man. But I, I definitely <laughs> don't want this podcast to be about me by any means, man. I'm excited to hear what all you've got going on because you, you've been you've been just crushing it on the front as well. Um, speaking of fast, you just concluded your five-day fast. So kind of give us some insight. Actually, before before we dump it, jump to the weeds here, for anybody that has not heard of you, has not listened to the prior podcast or doesn't know who you are, can you give us like a little quick bio on Marcus Aurelius Anderson? Absolutely. Um, uh, Marcus Aurelius Anderson, I'm a TEDx speaker, a keynote speaker, um, best-selling author of the book, The Gift of Adversity. My TEDx talk is by the same name, The Gift of Adversity. And uh, clearly, that's kind of what I, I speak around. That's my, my wheelhouse. But it really lends itself really well to uh, leadership as well as um, you know personal development, of course. Uh, just a little bit of a backdrop. In 2012, while I was preparing to deploy with the U.S. Army, I uh, suffered a severe spinal injury. A disc in my neck was ruptured. Uh, they sent me to the hospital immediately because I was having a hard time just breathing. I was paralyzed from the neck down. And when they operate on me, I they lose me on the operating table twice. So I flatline completely. So when I wake up in the ICU, the doctor is very congratulatory. He says, hey, you know, we lost you a couple of times, but you live to tell the tale, Mr. Anderson. But unfortunately, even though they were able to bring me back to the land of the living, I was told, listen, what you have right now, which is paralysis, that's what you're going to have for the rest of your life. So start wrapping your mind around that. And that's uh, when I really kind of began my 
there are many falls and there are many injuries and many adversities in our lives. But for me, that was the probably the, the lowest point. And the months that followed were when I really had to take a lot of deep soul searching and, and brutally honest reality checks and kind of call myself on my own, you know, BS. And that's when I really started kind of crawling back up and seeing what I was really made of because it's so interesting. And I saw this in the military. I've seen this in martial arts. I've seen it in, in training as well. We all have these concepts and we all have these beliefs about what we think we'll do when we face something hard. And we assume from this precious vacuum in which we live that that's what we're going to do. But there are many times that I've seen people that I thought that would be incredibly resilient. I've seen them buckle under pressure. I've, since, I've seen some people that I thought would never be able to get above and beyond any hardship. And they've completely leveled up and, and rose to the occasion because of adversity. So. It's very important to put yourself within that tether often, because if you don't do so, it's really, really easy to start lying to yourself. And all of a sudden now, when you actually run into something really difficult, you really don't know what you're made of. And if you find out at the last second, it's almost like jumping, you know, falling in the water and then realizing, oh, I don't know how to swim. It's too late now. You have to already have this mentality built up within you. And uh, from my life between martial arts and um, all kinds of other things I've been through, that's what actually ended up serving me and really helping me get through my my difficulty and and now that's uh that's why I'm the man that you're speaking to today, Robert. No, I, I love it, man. Like I, I've got chills up and down my spine because we really dove into that on the first podcast too. So if anyone has not heard that one, highly, highly, highly recommend you go listen to it. But I mean, I'm on I'm on the same page. 100% agree with you. Like the adversity and just having having hard shit happen to you is what defines you and makes you who you are and mold you into somebody that, that can actually be resilient towards life. Um, so I, I love it, man. I, I love hearing stories of people that have just gone through hell and back. And I love putting myself through hell and back kind of in like this masochist, <laughs> yeah. you know, way almost because I just know that anytime I'm doing something that's hard, I'm becoming better for it. And it's almost to a fault to the point where like I'm doing things unnecessarily <laughs> hard, but I don't know. I feel like it always pays itself forward. I agree. And, uh, you know, my, my book came out and then, uh, David Goggins book has come out a few months ago and it's really neat to, because I had some people that came at me sideways with this whole, you know, how is adversity a gift? How can you think that? And the people that are saying that are coming from a place where they're either in hardship or they don't want to face hardship. And that's why that truth does not ring with them. Um, but then, you know, David Goggins has come out recently, which even when I was in the military, we would hear whispers of his name, you know, before you know you were in pre-ranger school and you would hear about it and you'd hear about this guy that was running until his feet were breaking and he was you know piss and blood but that was what he needed and the reality for him was he had such deep-seated demons that that was literally the only way to truly exercise them from him so like you say uh having that hardship is important but hearing him come out and hearing him come at such a, a very you know de divisive kind of end of the spectrum it really kind of helps people see how important that is. And, and just like you say, uh, I, I was the same way. I pushed my body to a fault. I literally felt a lot of issues and a lot of symptomatology before my, my fall, as it were. But I, like you said, I, my mind continually just pushed my body because as a soldier, as an entrepreneur, we do not have the luxury of just saying to ourselves, oh, well, I don't feel like doing this or, oh, well, I'm tired. And it's, it's an interesting distinction, though, because for us, Sometimes we understand this is just an emotion and I can control this. So I'm going to push through this. 
I don't have to want to do it to do it. I don't have to right. be in the mood to do these sprints or to pick up this weight to do it, but we can get through it. The, the other thing is there is kind of that cautionary aspect of it where, like you say, sometimes, you know, we don't want to do irreparable damage, but, you know, Goggins 40% rule is absolutely in play. And even if we can push ourselves to, you know, 41% or 42% or 43%, that compared to the average human being is is above and beyond what they'll ever experience in their lifetime. I had really hoped to, uh, I've got David Goggins book. Uh, that's like the next step in my queue to listen to an audible. Um, oh, yeah. Can't hurt me. And I I kind of wanted to listen to it before our recording today, but at the same time, I almost didn't want to because I wanted to just see what would happen and then kind of use that as momentum to to go into the book. Um, but I mean, your your book is awesome as well. I mean, like like I think when we met initially, I had just finished reading The Obstacle Is the Way for the first time um, oh, by Ryan Holiday, yeah. and and I had talked about that book on this podcast multiple times. I'm sure my listeners are tired of hearing me say it, but <laughs> that book, um, I'm your book. And then I'm sure, uh, can't hurt me by by Goggins is literally probably going to be my, my three trifecta books for just getting in there and digging deep when you need to, you know, that's exactly what it is. And you'll get to see, you know, you get to hear the same theme, but you get to hear it from different, from different points of view. And, uh, I, I, since you mentioned holiday and, uh, and Goggins, you know, I would, I feel that I'm sort of like a medium between the both of them because I, I try to have that edge, but I also try to have that cerebral capacity because um, if all you have is a, the intellectual component, that's going to alienate the people that are really about doing shit and have the blue collar work ethic. And then the people that just want to push, push through, if you don't have that edge and if you don't have that authentic reality, then it's not going to ring true with them. And they're going to be like, well, this guy is just talking a bunch of flowery bullshit. That's easy to say. And, um, and that's what separates, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's when you can really see what somebody's made of, as opposed to somebody who's just trying to uh, pontificate and wax poetic about something that they may or may not have actually experienced themselves. Yeah, 100% agree. A lot of mindset books, man, they they are not really relatable at all. And, and I don't know, they fill you up with a bunch of, you know, hoorah motivation, but nothing sticks. You know, like nothing is applicable that you can actually use on a day-to-day -day basis, um, which is one of the reasons I really like, you know, Ryan Holiday's work. Because like even if you're even if it's not something that's you know quote unquote hard like even if it's not a an insurmountable obstacle in your life but if you just go through the day to day and then you're you you find yourself having you know emotions or strong opinions towards something that that could cause you to do a or say something that would not be optimal um, I mean just simply like I catch myself doing this all the time I'll, I'll get flustered over something stupid and just minuscule and then I'll like take a step back and recognize that look. What just happened is not making me have these emotions. I have complete control over my emotions. How I yep. respond is totally within my own grasp. That's exactly it. And uh, almost like with meditation, you know, we're all practicing stoics in some capacity. So there's never perfection. We're never going to be completely stoic and, and have this complete resilience mentally and be able to just allow things to roll off of us. But just like you said, it's, it's the exercise of catching yourself and then bringing you back, yourself back to that center you know, in Zen and Taoism, whatever it is, they call it, they talk about that. And that's exactly what it's about. Um, there are going to be undulations of our, of our emotions, but the idea is to be aware of them, to be cognizant of them, and then not to allow them to control us and to understand that we're the ones that are in complete control. And having that radical accountability is what really separates, like I said, people that are truly successful in the long run compared to people that, you know, grind for a couple of years and burn out or, 
people to end up inadvertently just sort of, you know, completely losing their, their focus. And now it's impossible for them to get anything really where it should be in the amount of time that they have. So I absolutely agree. And th that's the other thing too. Goggins was so incredible because not only was he able to take that discipline, because I've seen people that have applied discipline for studying, for example, in college, but they didn't have the physicality. And then I've seen people that are just animals as, as athletes that have this, you know, this natural inclination to be very physical. But yet then when you put them in a position to say, okay, well, we have to memorize this manual or we have to study the ranger handbook to understand how to ambush correctly. That was their, their shortcoming. But for Goggins, he just took that ideal of discipline and says, listen, I'm going to do this when I do things physically. I'm going to do this when it comes to the discipline of, of diet. And then when it comes to learning something, he, you'll, you'll read about it and I'm sure you've heard about it, but he talks about if he needs to, to understand a manual, he has to get that manual and he has to write out almost all the material about 10 times to really truly get it into his hard drive. And he said, that's the only thing that he could do. So even in an intellectual capacity, he was still using that resilience and that just work and just grinding it onto his, you know, to his brain so that he could actually recall it as needed under those times of stress. And, uh, I've, I've always wanted to be able to do those kind of things, but in my mind for a while, I thought that there was a separation, but he is an incredible example that really, really reinforces the idea that discipline as the overarching premise in addition to, you know, mindset and some other things, those are things that will, they are evergreen, they will always be correct, and they will never, they will never falter in, in, the, in the process. And that's why it's so important to exercise discipline in so many different degrees. So whether it be fasting, whether it be a cold shower, whether it be working out when you don't feel like it, whether it be getting up when you don't feel like it, or again, like you said, having the ability to step back and look at either a conversation or uh, somebody's view on something it, it, that is, you know, contrary to our own, that's what allows us to really level up and continue to evolve as opposed to moving backwards. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, we're either moving forward in some of these capacities or we're moving backwards. There is very little lateral motion. And so we have to be very objective and keep ourselves with that kind of self-auditing mindset to keep us going forward. I completely agree, man. I think I think a lot of people, and, and I'm a big believer in the fact that people should, you know, be very self-aware. I think people lack a lot of self-awareness these days, especially with like the, you know, dilution that, you know, social media and everything plays. But being truly self-aware and knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are and leveraging your strengths and, you know, focusing on that rather than putting all the emphasis on your weaknesses is very key. I'm all for that. But at the same time, there are so many areas in life where, you know, you have to be able to bring up those weaknesses and then being able to apply discipline towards those is, is going to be, you know, of paramount importance. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that I do really well at and naturally gravitate towards, but those things in and of themselves would never be enough to give me the whole picture to succeed to the, to the level that I would want to. So, I mean, like classic example would be like, you know, making a website or, or learning how to edit a YouTube video. That That is not something that comes naturally to me. So I have to go in there and, you know, apply the discipline and figure out how to do that and watch a bunch of tutorial videos and just learn. And so many people, you know, strive for a greater life or something more in line with their passions. Like they, they may desire to, you know, become a professional athlete or something, but they don't know how to manage themselves and market themselves from a business perspective. They might have that natural talent with the sport or whatever they're given, you know, trade is or skill set, but you have to apply the discipline to the other areas in order to bring that overall goal closer. 
you absolutely have to. And like you say, if your self-awareness isn't there, then it's impossible for you to even be cognizant of the fact that you're weak in one area. So um, I was talking to somebody not too long ago who um, they're very good at, just like you said, they're very good at their profession. But then when I pointed out a couple of places where there were chinks in their armor where they could improve, they wanted to just sort of, you know, disallow that and they wanted to dismiss it. But that in and of itself is, shows that that's where they need to work. And again, just like with the website or whatever it is, if you can write a check and let somebody else take care of it, that's fine. But there is a tremendous amount of edification that you get from trying to do it yourself. And the, the importance of that is just like with, um, again, like the Prince reading about Machiavelli or this kind of ideals, we need to read those types of things, not necessarily because we have that, that mentality, that idea of trying to, you know, screw somebody over as it were, or be just ruthless in business. But we need to be aware of that so that we don't get victimized by it as well. It's the same thing when you're, if you have that knowledge that you were talking about with the website. Now, if you go to somebody else's website, or if you go to somebody who sent you to theirs, you have the wherewithal and you have this knowledge to be able to say, yeah, well, I can tell that this was, you know, kind of thrown together haphazardly on, you know, WordPress. And that kind of mm -hmm. tells you a little bit of where their priorities are. But if you see someone and you look at it and you're like, man, this thing is smooth. It's very user-friendly. I like the way it transitions. You see at least that person was smart enough to have somebody else that can do the work that maybe they aren't as uh, inclined for. I completely agree, man. What, what do you think? Like, I don't know. This has been a keen interest in my lately because... You know, I feel like I'm very self-aware. I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on where my weaknesses are and, you know, can then act on improving upon them. But, uh, and, and maybe I'm just totally oblivious and I'm not self-aware at all. That's totally possible. <laughs> but how does, how does one go about recognizing and being self-aware? Like we all know that self-awareness is important, but there's so many people I feel like that are just delusional and there seems to, I mean, I don't know how I would even explain to somebody, okay, this is how you become self-aware. Like what, what is the, the roadmap to self-awareness, so to speak? Cause there's a lot of people that would benefit from knowing how they are actually viewed in society and where their actual weaknesses are, as opposed to where they, you know, have these, these, you know, self-imposed thoughts that may not be accurate. Yes. And that's, that's a great place to start. And we can start from macro or micro, but usually it's easier to start from like a very small thing and then move out. Um, Ed Milet, uh, he's an incredible entrepreneur. Uh, the Ed Milet show max out the book, bestselling author, incredible, incredible entrepreneur. And he made a comment. He was talking about, um, there are a lot of people that will go through these kind of things and they'll try to do so many things all at one time. But, and he was saying how a lot of the thoughts that we have in our mind, uh, around 85 to 90% of them, the thoughts and the actions that we do are almost on autopilot. So. For a lot of us, we have this default setting. So we get up in the morning, we get coffee, you know, we, we check email, social media, whatever it is, and we kind of do that without thinking about it. So if you want to talk about your self-awareness and see where you're at, look at the things that you do every day on autopilot and see where you stand with that. Step back and take a good, hard look and say, you know, am I even enjoying my coffee? Can I even taste it really? Because if you're drinking your coffee while you're on the phone and doing something on the, on the computer, you're really not even tasting that, that coffee. If you're working out and you're thinking about something else, um, you may not be focusing on that mind-muscle connection nearly as much as you probably could have. And the overlying concept for all these things is to have the, the idea of quality over quantity in all that we do. So have quality in this conversation, have quality in your, your attention level, have quality in the food that you consume, have quality in the movements that you do when you work out. You're going to get a hell of a lot more out of doing one all-else set to failure if you have complete mind-muscle connection 
compared to doing, you know, five pump sets where you're really not getting a whole lot out of it. So that would be the place that I would start is just start examining the things that you do every day that you kind of do without thinking about and then find the presence in that. And by doing that, that will help you see presence in everything else that you do. And then you can expand into everything else. Uh, if it's a conversation you have every morning, if you see your significant other, you say, hey, good morning, or how are you? And they say, fine. Stop for a second and, and look, look at their body language. Are they fine? Are they just saying it? And then kind of allow that to dictate the rest of your behavior from that. So just taking a small examination at those ideals would give you a pretty good indication of where your level of self-awareness is or probably areas where you can improve as well. So it seems like it has like a pretty pretty close parallel to just being present. So self-awareness and being in the moment kind of hand in hand. What about as it relates to your place in um, like a community or like society, so to speak? Like this, this is a, this is a trip, tricky topic because, you know, Part of me is on the side of, look, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to do me, put my head down and work. And the other part of me is like, I care what everybody thinks because, you know, we're all a networking, you know, unit machine and the more efficient all those moving parts and pieces, you know, flow and work together, the better. So it's kind of like, you know, two sides of the same coin. Here. Yeah, it can it can be a slippery slope. And a lot of times you have to do kind of a, a combination of both, just like what you were discussing, because it's two sides of the same coin. Um, I have to be able to work ruthlessly and focus on my, my own things. But what I have to do is I also have to make sure that I have some sort of ethos or some sort of, you know, compass that, that is pushing me in the right direction. So if my idea is to become successful financially, I have to understand that with that, I'm able to use that money to leverage it towards something else. So for example, every nonprofit that's ever asked me to come speak, their goal is to be able to bring me in to be able to raise money for their, their service. Um, having said that, if I have the, the wherewithal financially to be able to write, a, write them a check and give that to them, now I'm able to do more good with that in the process. So understanding where I stand in mm -hmm. the environment, like you were saying, but also seeing you know, being able to look up enough and say, okay, where can I do the most good? Where can I contribute? Where can I help? And then where is an area that, uh, again, we talk about networks. There are so many things that we could get done if we can reach out to our network and, and ask, you know, maybe second or third handly, if they understand, you know, something that we could do to try to improve whatever this is. It's, uh, it's incredible what we can do the same thing with uh, everything from like during the holidays or with homeless veterans. There's a lot that can be done. So we have to be able to take care of ourselves, you know, kind of kind of the analogy of putting the oxygen mask on ourselves before we're trying to help other people out. It's uh, it's difficult to pour from an empty vessel. So we have to maintain our own, you know, structural integrity as it were to allow us the capacity to be able to help others in the long run. So that's, and again, it is a slippery slope because for most of us, I think you're the same way I am. Um, we're very much about extremes. Moderation does not behoove us. Yeah. And so lots of times you have to, once a month, what I do is I have these five different circles and I look at the, these different areas. So like I look at my own personal development, I look at my financial development with my business. I look at my um, physical capacities. I look at my relationships and then I look at my spiritual awareness. And at any given time in these five circles, I can look back on the month and maybe I crushed it in business, but maybe my workout slipped or maybe my, my business and my workouts were awesome, but maybe my personal development wasn't there. Or, you know, maybe I was able to spend a lot of time in those three areas, but then I didn't get to spend time with my family or my relationship slipped. If you can do this, this will kind of help you step back and have a very objective idea of where you stand and you remove the emotion from it because you're just looking at this like Venn diagram that's on paper. 
And by doing so, that allows you to have a very truly stoic, rationalized look at what's going on, as opposed to trying to justify our behavior either in a positive or negative capacity. Wait, this is this is really approached mantras. So, what what are your five circles again? Because I've got something very similar. I've got like these five pillars that I try and you know focus my efforts on. So, what are, what are your five? The the first one is just in a. There's different ways to go about it, but we can talk about business and finances, and I put those in one circle. And all these circles, you can break them up into different things. You could actually say business is one and then financial is another, because if you don't own your own business, you may be thinking, okay, about investing. So that's one circle. Um, personal development is another circle. Um, so that's about what I'm doing to, to make myself you know, better in a personal development capacity, the physical capacity. So, and, and within that, that diagram, I always think about my workouts. I think about my diet. I think about fasting. Um, and then my relationships is what I look at as well, looking at my relationship with my significant other, or people in my family or people within my network. And then I also look at um, just what I'm doing for myself, what I'm doing to educate myself. So uh, if I'm trying to learn more in a specific arena for a skill set, or if I'm trying to get better at something that I, I know that I'm slipping on, those kind of things help me a lot. And what that does is, like I said, lots of times I'll, I'll pour my energy into a couple of those circles or three of those circles and then realize that I have to continue to come back to these other ones. So again, it's not always going to be balanced, but it should be at least uh, about having some sort of consistent lack of balance to be able to, uh, you know, create some sort of balance overall when it's all said and done. All right, I'm, I'm really, this is like a perfect segue, man. I'm gonna have to just jump on it while it's there. But I want to, <laughs> I want to pick your brain on the subject of balance because I am kind of, I don't know, like I, I've got the five pillars similar to yours. I, I probably can't think of them on the spot, but I think like career slash business finance is one, um, you know, family, friends, relationships is one, spirituality, uh, whatever that may be for the individual is one. Um, and then like health and nutrition is one. And then shoot, where's my, where's my fifth one? Self-development, I think was my fifth one. So basically pretty similar to yours. Um, and I, I, I try and do something towards all of those five and and you know each chapter of your life is is very different or oftentimes it is very different so like when i was broke and didn't live close to family and i was you know trying to build a business and just basically lock myself away and grind you know every other aspect suffered except maybe my training that was pretty good but like my family my relationships all that was just down the tubes um and i don't necessarily think that i could have gone as far in business at that time if i had tried to have a sense of balance amongst all five pillars because you know, you're, you're going to find points in your life where you have to pull from the interest earned, so to speak, and the other other pillars, other circles in order to bring, you know, lagging ones up. At least that's what I think. I feel like they can't all be balanced at all times. Um, so I've kind of adopted this this mentality of, you know, focus on those those five core elements of your life or whatever those may be for you. But then balance itself is kind of bullshit. Like I, I don't think, I think balance is bullshit. <laughs> you know, like so many people seek balance in life and I feel like you're going to get a lot farther, a lot more efficiently if you kind of have an extremist mentality and you just go all in and then work on that as opposed to trying to equally bring all levels and all aspects of your life up simultaneously, if that makes sense. Um, you've read my book, so you hear about my idea of what a true priority is compared to what everybody else does. And these five pillars are important, or these five circles are very important. But again, even within those five, we can really only focus our most energy on maybe two or three of them. 
So just like you're saying, um, mm-hmm. and just like you were saying before with business, it's very, you know, our, our priorities will always shift and undulate as our, our careers and our lives develop. So what you do at 25 compared to what you do at 35 are probably going to be different. They're all going to be important, but hopefully from a business standpoint, you won't constantly have to be grinding 16 hours a day the way you did when you were younger. And that's where we have to find that medium. And just like with, in my book, I talk about this. Um, when it comes to any of these things, when it comes to being successful, people say it's a marathon and then people say that it's a sprint, but the reality is it is a marathon and a sprint is a marathon of sprints. So you're going to have to sprint in a couple of these mm-hmm. arenas quickly, very hard for those two or three things. So again, with business, maybe your relationships and maybe some of your um, workouts may be compromised slightly, but that's what's necessary. And then again, life happens. So if you're working really hard on your business and, you're, and you're, your physical, physicality is in great shape, and then there's a death in your family, well, you know what? That kind of stops the record for a second. You have to really address this. You don't really have the option or the opportunity to decide that you don't want to deal with that. That has to be taken care of. That's a fire that has to be taken out right now. And then hopefully once that's taken care of, of course, there's going to be a lot of repercussions from that. But the idea is to try to refocus and then redouble your efforts back into those things. So that marathon and that sprinting mentality have to go hand in hand. And we can't always do one or the other as well as we would like to. But again, by being able to go through and reevaluate it or, you know, having goals that are consistent, that are measurable, that's the key. And without those things, it's really easy for us to get kind of caught up in the semantics or chase our tails. And that's where so many people get lost. So it's so important to have, I I talk about goal setting. The idea with a goal is a goal is only as attainable as it is specific. So how many people, I mean, we're in February now, how many people do we hear in January that say they want to be in better shape, they want to make more money, and they want to feel better about themselves? Well, those things are great, but they're vague at best. If you tell me that you want to lose 10 pounds of, if you want to lose 10 pounds of fat, if you want to gain muscle, if you want to be in, you know, lift, you know, 315, and you want to be making an extra 20 grand a month, now those are very specific ideas and those are measurable. And once they're measurable and we have a deadline, now we can reverse engineer and hold ourselves accountable. But with that, that kind of mentality, you're, uh, again, just sort of wishing at best and, uh, being a wish, whisperer, wish, whisperpreneur, so to speak, is not going to help you get any further in business. No, I totally agree, man. I've, I've always kind of, I, I like new years because I feel like it, it gives, you know, it, at least in my mind, it kind of like wipes the slate clean and I can, you know, reattack all the whiteboards and, and notebooks that I've got in the office with just like this new zeal, but I've always kind of strayed away from the idea of having a, you know, quote unquote resolution, so to speak. I, I try and think of goals and, and visions more in the terms of like themes, like each year has a theme and everything I do in that year has to be moving me closer and, and in line with that theme in some form or fashion. But that's much more sustainable and actionable than just like a, an arbitrary resolution that Anybody, anybody can wish for. And people don't even realize what the word resolution means. They, that means that there's something that's unresolved. So if you're doing a New Year's resolution, that mm-hmm. means that you have an entire year of stuff that has been unresolved. And if it's taken you 12 months to resolve something, then that's something you should have already figured out. So like you said, having this theme or having you know a couple, you know a quarter quarterly ideals or whatever it may be, that's in my mind a lot. That helps you push a lot further, a lot faster, and. Uh, the, the classic, you know, entrepreneurial question of how can I achieve my five-year goals in six months? 
that really makes you compress time, that really opens up your thinking, and that really gives you urgency to get shit done, as opposed to saying, well, you know, this year I didn't make what I wanted to make, but next year will be different. It's like, well, if you don't change what you did last year, chances are this coming year won't be any different either. So there's that brutal reality as well as having that courageous optimism simultaneously to push you forward. Completely agree. Completely agree. I've got a, I've got a question for you here, and I don't know the best way to even word this. I'm, I'm going to use like bodybuilding for me as my as my vehicle to illustrate this, but I'm curious to see what you'll say. So with with bodybuilding, as with most things in life, you know, it, it's the result of, you know, constant, consistent, disciplined effort over years and years and years. Um, however, in moments of like contest prep or just really extreme action, when I'm on the total opposite in the spectrum and I'm just going all in, and I kind of like just get into this dark place. I love that. I love that. I love it. It makes me feel like I'm alive, but at the same time, it's very damaging and not really sustainable. And it like gets in my head in a very negative way. Like it, it's so incredibly positive, but it's it's also got like the same strength towards negativity. And I love it. It empowers me, but I feel like it it's damaging for the long term. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate with this with whatever their given thing is, you know, whatever that may be. But this year, I'm considering taking a different approach towards like my next competition prep. I'll be prepping for a show uh, early next year. So I'll start prepping the latter part of this year. But for the first time, I've started tracking my workouts. I've started, you know, taking a much more numerical measured approach as opposed to just being instinctive and getting in my head. And like, for instance, rather than doing a set until absolute failure and then doing another 10 reps that sacrifice form and just like pushes me to that, you know, insanity level. I'm only doing, you know, one or two reps beyond what I did last week. And I'm curious to see if having a much more modest, much more measured approach is going to be advantageous from a long game perspective or I mean, it's hard for me, man, because I I want I feel weak. I feel like pathetic if I don't push myself to that nth degree. But at the end of the day, I have to look and see what is going to provide the best, most favorable outcome. And I'm curious to see if it's the less intense, more sustainable method or the balls to the wall. I think it's going to have to be a sort of a marriage of both of those. And it's important, like what you're talking about now, to be able to do that because we see so many people that are very dogmatic in their mentality when um, when Arthur Jones and Mike Menser and even Dorian Yates to a certain extent were, were preaching sort of the antithesis of what everybody else was talking about, where they're talking about a couple of sets of true muscular failure and then allowing the body to recover. That was, that flew in the face of the idea of, you know, two hours workouts with set after set after set, trying to chase the pump or whatever. So the, the, the beautiful thing about the way you think is you, you're thinking of it just like you're talking about, this is antiquated. I'm looking, I'm collecting data. This is an experimentation. Um, you know what worked before, we're going to go with this and we're going to see where we stand at the end of the prep. And by keeping your emotion out of it and, and being logistics, logistical about it, that's where it's, you're going to get a lot of material. Even if you don't do as well as you want to, now you're like, you know what, now I know. Now there's no question in your mind because if you just without any kind of, you know, any kind of thought behind it, if you just like would grind year after year after year, and now you're tearing up your shoulders or your knees or your back, and now all of a sudden it's unsustainable. When, if you think back on your career and think, man, you know, I wish I would have taken one prep 
and just sat back and looked at it logically and taken the emotion out of it and just looked at it and said, you know what? Because I, I see what you're doing. I see it on your, your story on Instagram and stuff. You're PRing continually. It seems like every exercise that I see on there is like, this is a PR on front squat, a PR on back squat, a PR on this. So by coming at it from that antiquated standpoint, I think that's going to help you a lot. And then I also think that what will happen, as, as we both know, as the prep gets more intense, you're going to have to be able to channel that emotion. You're going to have to be able to channel that, that savagery to push you through when you don't want to go any further. So to be able to maintain the, the pace that you're doing now, you're going to have to be able to couple those together. And coming from that standpoint is going to help you a lot. And uh, again, there's so many people that I've seen that are very... We see it in the gym all the time. This person that's done the same workout the same way for the last three years, and they look exactly the same. They haven't changed. Their body's the same. They, they're doing whatever mm-hmm. it is. And lots of them are, um, you know, talking more than they are working out. And that's fine. That's up to them. But their goals are clearly different than what yours are. So it's important to, to have that self-awareness and to be able to look at yourself objectively because you may find in six months, you may surprise yourself entirely. So the, the darkness is very important because it's, it's in us for a reason. Every emotion that we have within our bodies from love to hate is there. It's been placed in us for a reason. For, and it was put there by God or the universe or whatever you believe in for a reason. So to completely divorce ourselves from these things is at our own peril. Because again, that darkness is what helped me survive. That darkness is what helped me get through what I went through. Having said that, I see so many people that go through adversity and they do one of two things. If you absorb adversity and you learn the lesson from it, you will have exponentially increased amounts of empathy for other people. You will be able to see a person who's fallen down and says, saying, look at that weak ass. You know, you're actually looking at them and say, man, I remember what it was like to fall down. I want to help them up or at least have empathy towards them. There are other people that I've seen, and I think we've all seen, that have gone through tremendous hardships, or at least their interpretation of what a tremendous hardship is to them, because adversity is an individual thing. It's not a competition. It is objective to each of us. I mean, it's subjective. I'm sorry. If we go through adversity and we don't learn the lesson, then that is the set point, and we will never develop beyond that. So these are the people that are emotionally angry all the time. These are the people that have chronic pain. These are the people that are pessimistic about all things. And they're the people that are telling you, man, it must be easy. Uh, You know, it's nice to, you know, wow, look at you. It must be nice to be able to own your own business and be successful. Well, they don't see what you went through, but all they do is they're just looking at where their hardship is. And because they allow that poison to really just stay in them, they're never going to go beyond that. And so whether they be 20 years old or 70 years old, they're going to live that existence for the rest of their days until they understand that being in that that darkness is not going to serve them long term. And Tom Billu talks about it. He calls it the 80-20 ideal of you know 20% darkness, 80% positivity, because he calls that darkness very corrosive. And I think that's a pretty good word for it because it, it in the end it kind of destroys us from the inside out if we aren't able to temper it with something more positive. You you said a lot of really good really good gems in there, man. Like I this this is good for me. Like I I, I like the idea of not dealing in absolutes. So even if I approach this competition with with zero emotion and I take a very you know scientific approach to it, you know, and if I find that this this method was not as good, then I can always go back to what I know works. Uh, so th- this is not an absolute. Like I don't have to live and die by this technique, which can be applied to anybody in any form or fashion with anything. So that's key. And then channeling emotions. It doesn't make sense. Like the whole stoic mentality is is largely based on not not necessarily not having emotion, but being in complete control of your emotion. And I like the idea of 
harnessing that darkness and trying rather than trying to remove it completely because I mean honestly some of the the biggest breakthrough moments in my entire life have come from just leveraging that darkness to the hilt so I think it would be remiss for anybody to to want it or to wish it away um so I think you know recognizing that it's there and embracing it almost is is absolutely key um that's good man I get like that tattooed on <laughs> no, I, I absolutely agree and and like you say I mean and any philosophy or any ideal or any concept, it's only as functional to us as, as it is when it comes to serving us um, in, a, in a very objective manner. So mm -hmm. if I just looked at stoicism and I was very dogmatic about it, then I become limited by it. I, it becomes a crutch. It becomes something that I hide behind to justify or corroborate my own excuses in some manners. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that philosophy is simply truth and it, the reason why it was named what it was is just simply because of the time period and the location of where they were so the Taoists, you know zen um stoicism different religions obviously have talked about these truths because they're universal but i also like the idea of bruce lee who was like just like you know you absorb what is useful you discard what is useless and then you add what is specifically your own and the thing that people don't remember about that is that in and of itself doesn't mean that it has to be set in stone so what may be serving and useful to you this year in this prep may not serve you next year but without that data and without that ruthless objectivity to look at it and take the emotion out of it it would be impossible for you to know that and you would simply be just pushing yourself based on emotion or logic and as a human animal we have both of those within us for a reason and so like i said if uh if i'm on the street and somebody attacks me or somebody else and they have a weapon um, my logic probably will not be <laughs> at the, the forefront because once that adrenaline hits me and I just react, that's what's going to be the most important thing. That's where my fight or flight instinct comes in. And that's why the skill set has to be in, in place, not only from a martial arts standpoint, but the idea to be able to have this mentality and this truth about us, but to also be able to shove it in the back and the wayside so that we can get done what has to get done right now. And that's what um, the beauty of the, the dance of life is. There's always this transition between one thing and another. And there's always this new thing that we're, we're trying to move towards. And lots of times, um, lots of times it's by our own choosing. Lots of it is kind of forced upon us. And that's when we actually learn if what we believe is correct and if what we're made of is true. I completely agree. Are you familiar I with uh, Aubrey Marcus? So he was at this, uh, this conference this past week. and. He said one thing that, that really stuck. He, he said, um, I forget the exact wording, but you know how like something bad happens and we go through it and after it's all said and done, we almost always say, I'm really glad that, that happened. It happened yep. for a reason. I learned so much from it. Like that's almost, that's, I mean, I don't know of any example where people don't say that. Like there's always some way to justify that and, and, and have learned from it. He made a really good point on making an active you know, uh, uh, approaching anything negative like that in the moment with that forward thinking mentality of the afterthought, if that makes sense. So, you know, rather than waiting for it to be over and saying, I'm really glad that happened, saying that as you're going through it and being conscious of it. And I feel like, like that, that that's just basically another way to, 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 you know, define stoicism. But looking at it that way, I think is going to resonate with a lot of people because, you know, we all can learn from these, these bad things in life, but it takes genuine effort 
to recognize it when it's happening and actually be in yeah, that's, support that's, of the moment. That's absolutely crucial and it's it's key. That the, the reality is when I got injured, when I woke up in a bed at 40 years old, you know, broke, divorced, bedridden, unable to move, all this knowledge I already had. I've been doing martial arts since I was 11. I've been studying philosophy in one way, shape or form, you know, since I was 13 or 14. But the thing was in that moment, when the shit hit the fan and it was happening to me and not somebody else, I didn't want to hear all that stuff. That was like a bunch of flowery bullshit. Like it didn't serve me. It was a bunch of pap because this didn't help me right now. And I, mm -hmm. and if you would have come up to me and said, well, Marcus, you should be grateful. I would have spit in your face because I wouldn't have been able to punch you, but that was the, the most, you know, yeah. have a serial thing I probably could have done. And I would have been yelling a lot of cuss words at you, but I knew deep down that there was, that I should be grateful for something, but I couldn't find any gratitude where I was at. So again, that's why it's so important to have this mentality of fix before you get into the, the hardship, because if you wait until that time, if you're in the heat of battle, it's too late to learn to fight. If you wait until you need it, it's, it's already too late. So that's why it's so important to, again, just look with that mentality, have that enlightened attitude before it happens to you. And then again, just like before, I knew all these truths when I was injured, it didn't really seem to make any sense because I didn't want to look at it because it was very, um, it was a brutal reality to have to face, honestly. But once I was able to look at it and, and take, and take my yeah. desire out of it and take my emotion out of it and just kind of go the direction that I was being pushed. That's what really helped me. It's almost like I have clients that want to be successful financially, but they have like two or three problems in front of them. Like they're not very good when it comes to like CEOs or executives, they want to make a lot of money for this quarter and they want to make these bonuses, but yet their people skills are horrible. And when they try to coach their team, it's their communication sucks. Like they just go up to the people and say, okay, you want me to do X, Y, and Z and they walk out. And then when I watch them, they say, well, see, I coach my people every Monday like that. I don't see why they're not hitting their numbers. Well, you, you have to lead by example. You have to give them an idea that you at least give a shit about them as a person, as opposed to just having this brutal taskmaster mentality. And if all you do is push the gas down, if all you ha have is the accelerator down, there is nowhere for you to go if that's not working. You have to be able to shift gear. You have to be able to transition. You have to take your foot mm -hmm. off the gas or even pump the brakes once in a while to be able to give that separation. And so that's why it's so important to be able to have separate gears and to have the capacity to put the foot down, not only on the gas, but also on the brake as necessary. And that's where it's really difficult because for most of us, again, like we're talking about extremes, there's your extremes. You have one foot on the gas and then one foot on the brake. You're not going to go anywhere, but you'll make a lot of noise. So the idea is to know when to do each of them and then to be able to adapt as the situation evolves. Yeah. And see, like to me, this, this, this is just like key importance. Like people need to think proactively towards this because those hardships, those moments of adversity, those obstacles will happen. It's not like this something that's it's not like this may be looming. It's like this will happen. If it doesn't happen, then you're probably not living life boldly enough. I agree. Adversity is an inevitability. And like you said, the reality is if, if, if you're not pushing as hard as you possibly can, then you're not going to go as, as far as you can with the time that you have. And if you're achieving all of your goals, easily, then you're simply not asking enough of yourself. Bruce Lee says that a goal is not always meant to be achieved. It's simply something to shoot towards. And even Andy Priscilla was saying, listen, you know, if you're trying to make uh, $10 million, you better be shooting to make a hundred billion dollars. 
because in the entrepreneurial endeavor, there are going to be times when you fall down or there are going to be things outside of our control that just happen. And sometimes it's to our advantage and sometimes it's to our disadvantage. But that's why having this, this operating system, this, this philosophy is what's going to help us because that's what builds the resilience in. And again, like you say, like what Aubrey Marcus is talking about or, or Marcus Aurelius was talking about, we control what we can control. And then we try to absorb the knowledge from that situation as best we can. And if we look at it objectively, it will probably reinforce something that we already know or something that we forgot about. So for me, lying there unable to move, I had a lot of regret because I realized that I had been given a lot of opportunities in the four years of my life at that point and that I had just wasted a lot of that time. I had screwed around a lot. And I felt like God or the universe was taking it away from me. Like, okay, we gave you 40 years. We gave you all this capacity, all this intelligence, all this physical ability, and you squandered it. So we're going to take it back and we're going to give it to somebody else that's going to use it. And that was my big, big kind of kick in the ass moment where it made me realize that if I ever can get out of this bed and walk again, I will never, ever compromise. And I will ever, never, ever wait to move on the things that really mean the most to me in my life. And that made my my priorities very clear. That made my goals very clear. And now I just try to operate within those confines every moment that I'm breathing. That, that gives me chills, man. Like I feel the, the idea of self-entitlement just literally, that's probably drives me more crazy than any other, you know, than anything else in life. Like I, I feel like, like so many people think that they deserve something. They deserve to just live life on their terms, you know, live in their passion day to day. They they deserve to have all this stuff handed to them. But you deserve nothing in life. Like the fact that you're even on this planet is a gift. And if you squander that or live any waking moment of it with the thought that, you know, this is your God given right to just be here and do as you please, then then you're <laughs> then you're sadly mistaken because I feel like you know, you have to look at this opportunity and this gift for what it is. And then every single waking moment of your life, be dedicated to just pouring yourself into it. So you're constantly adding more value than you take because you deserve nothing. I, I absolutely agree. Just the fact that you're breathing is means that you're, you know, beyond even. That means you've got a lot more than what a lot of other people are doing. You know, as, as we speak, there are people fighting for life. As we speak, there are people that are having a hard time finding clean water. And it's funny because just like you were mentioning, the reality is they say you don't know what you got till it's gone, but that's not the case. We know what we have, but we assume that we will always have it. And that's what separates like the person who's this, this person who's constantly taking, 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 and this person who's constantly giving, giving, giving. And you know, as well as I do, um, when it comes to business, when it comes to entrepreneurship, when it comes to life, the more you give, the more that it comes back and benefits you and behooves you. It's just that. A lot of times, just like I was, like I said before, we assume that we will always have it. It's the same thing with this. People expect like immediate reciprocity. They think, well, if I, if I'm nice to this person, then I should see an extra $500 in my bank account this afternoon. That's not how it works. You're planting seeds. You're putting out this ideal. But uh, again, what that does is that creates momentum, not only in your life, but it impacts the people around you and that creates momentum around them. So even the ideal of, they say that you're the average of the five people that you surround yourself with the most, that's, that's true, but they don't see the, the real thing. What you're really doing is you're the average of the five emotions that you're feeling continually. So if you're around five people that are positive, 
that are uplifting, that want you to win, that are kicking you in the ass to be better and celebrate your victories. Absolutely. That's what you're going to propagate in your life. But if you're around five people that are like pessimistic, hate on you, um, are resentful, are, you know, negative about everything else in their lives and they're not taking care of themselves, obviously that will bleed over into everything that you do. And again, like I said, in our lives, we're creating momentum one way or the other. So either we're creating momentum into something positive or we're creating momentum into something negative. And it is up to us to make that choice every single moment with every action, with every thought, with every breath that we take. And if we can continue to do that, we will feed forward that positivity, meaning not just this esoteric positive idea, but this positivity and improving ourselves, you know, physically, emotionally, financially. And it goes the other direction as well. So that's what I love about taking like stoicism and, and a lot of these other philosophical ideals. They're very pragmatic if you can put them in that right place. But if you just sit around and, and drink coffee and talk about it and you don't actually do anything to push yourself, then it's really difficult to even comprehend what the Stoics were talking about or the Dallas were talking about or Bruce Lee was even talking about because we haven't actually achieved it. So that's why it's so important. Again, Goggins says, you know, do something that sucks every day. So when you're on that last set or that last rep or you're taking that cold, cold shower or you're, you know, reducing your calories for a fast, that's key because without that kind of push, you will never, ever that adversity is the catalyst that forces us to get stronger much in the same way that last rep or that last set is what makes us our body. It makes our muscle adapt because until we do that, we're kind of going through the motions and that's why it's so important to understand it from the beginning. I completely agree, man. I, I feel like you and I have a very similar outlook on this stuff. So you and I can talk about these, these concepts and it, it it's like a, it's like a shared appreciated, respected, understood language between us and anybody else that's listening that's also gone through some of these these situations and been in this kind of environment. But for anybody that that may not be or may not have gone through such a such a ordeal, what are some like 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 because mindset's a pretty abstract thing. Like it's there, it's apparent, it's in everything that we do, but it's 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 hard to really, you know, point your finger at it and quantify. But what what are some like tangible action related items that that you would that that you do on a day-to-day basis that somebody listening to this could also implement um i mean one just kind of thinking about what we just we're talking about with you know the people you surround yourself like i i think auditing your friend list on like a quarterly basis or like a biannually basis makes total sense like actually write names of the people you spend time with and audit them like you would anything else in a business deal and, and figure out if they're truly adding value to your life, if there's truly a benefit that's coming from that, and if they're making you a better person. And if not, then act accordingly. But like that, a lot of people would hear me say that and, and think that that's negative of me. But if you don't actionably do things to improve your certain, your, your, you know, environment and your situation, then nothing will ever change. The, the thing is, my, like you said, mindset can be abstract, but what I'll do is I'll give you just a couple of simple things you can do. One of them is um, micro adversities every day. So something small that makes you uncomfortable every single day. Um, I talk, I mentioned cold showers, but if you're the kind of person who doesn't want to get into a cold shower and try to Wim Hof breathe um, and, you know, have that shock to your system, you know, right now it's, it's cold outside. So maybe if you realize that you're going to be walking from your car to your office, maybe don't wear your jacket and just kind of walk slowly and really ask yourself, man, you know, is this really that bad? Is this the fear that I so, you know, was afraid of and just kind of breathe into it. And what that does is that's a very, very small thing, but that's a small drop in the bucket. It's a small deposit into your account of resilience, so to speak. Right. 
So this is a small compounding thing. And now when you walk away from work, now you go back again and you're like, man, it wasn't not as close as I thought it was, or I'm a little bit stronger than I thought that I was. Again, the idea of maybe doing a little bit more cardio, um, even if you prolong your, like delay your pleasure a little bit, if you're used to eating lunch at noon and you can wait until 1230, it's like, wow, you just showed your, your body by using your mind, your mindset that I don't have to eat at noon. And then again, as you and I have found out fasting, we realized that our body was designed to be able to not eat for literally days, maybe even weeks at a time. Because if you and I are like prehistoric man, 250,000 years ago, we may not be able to kill another bison. We may kill that bison, eat it. And now we may not eat for a few weeks, but that's okay because our body's designed to do that. It's understanding and respecting what our body does, but also being understanding of the idea notion that we can harness that as we need to. And if we put that into play every day, whether it be having a conversation with somebody that maybe you don't agree with and you listen to their standpoint, ask yourself, is what they're saying really hurting me? Is it really that big of a deal that they believe X instead of Y? And then does it hurt? I mean, I can have a conversation with them and not even agree with them, but it doesn't hurt me. It's okay for me to listen to them or you can listen to whatever slander political news that you want to and, and hear other sides of the story and say, ask yourself, why do I disagree with that? What, why does that, does that threaten me in some capacity? I can listen to this person's belief system and not have to believe what they believe. And if we're able to do that and develop that kind of mental callus, or as, a, as Goggin says, he's like, you, you know, you callous your hands the same way you can callous your mind. If you can do that, it allows you the opportunity to, to grow stronger in that resilience and then put that practicality in it. And once you have that idea of being able to absorb some sort of hardship, whether it be walking in the cold or not eating, um, that bleeds over into everything else that you do in your life. So now when you're at work and they say, hey, we need you just been staying an extra hour later, instead of getting all butthurt and pissed off about it, you're like, well, I'm just going to push through it. And then again, that gives you more confidence in yourself. That confidence that having that, you, you develop this, this sort of belief within yourself, you, you believe your own hype after a while. But if you aren't doing the work, if you are pushing yourself, then when somebody says, hey, you're really doing a great job, and then you beat yourself up mentally because you don't think that you are doing a good job, that's when it's really difficult for you to get to the next level. And then it becomes a self-limiting belief, which becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when it comes to your mindset. I agree. I agree. What, what are some, are like, I don't know, what, what is, we make this personal here, what is the biggest obstacle in your life right now? Like what, what is going on in this chapter in your life that is is proving difficult? And what what are some things that, that it's taught you thus far. Now I'm in a position where a lot of people are vying for my attention, which is very, you know, that's a big compliment and I want to help everybody. But I also understand now that, um, I simply, there's not enough hours in the day and there's only one of me. So just like with this, I mean, I'm very selective mm -hmm. about who I'm on podcast with now. You know, I, I respect you very much in many arenas and that's why we're talking again. Um, but I, you know, if we try to respond, respond to every DM or every email that's sent to us, it's, it's very daunting. And frankly, it's, it's a, there's no way we can win doing it. So for me, it's about allocating my time to true priorities, but being even more specific and, and having a true Pareto's principle, a true 80, 20 ideal of saying, well, I could go speak here and make X amount of dollars, or I could go speak here and make less money but make more impact or get more potential speaking engagements or more coaching potentials or more coach or more book sales. So it's about looking at the long game and then understanding that time that I have is very precious. 
So what do I want to do with this? Even if I have an opportunity to go off on the weekend and speak and make X amount of dollars, maybe I can do that and I can push and grind. But in the grand scheme of things, it may be better for me to stay home. Maybe if I'm feeling sick or maybe if I'm trying to spend time with my loved ones, that may be more important than, you know, a few thousand dollars or even $20,000 speaking or doing an event if it's not going to serve me in the long run, because that money is going to be gone eventually, but our time, as we both know, is something that is very precious and it's a non-renewable resource. At what point does, and this is going to be highly individualized, but you know, when you, when you first start out, you almost have to just say yes to everything, like be a yes man, like everything that you do. I mean, every speaking opportunity, every DM, every email, every, everything, you, you just leap on it. Um, and then at some point there's a shift that occurs and you, you have to become more exclusive because in being more exclusive, you're going to bring a higher quality work and you're going to have a better, better a game, so to speak, when you, when you do perform. What, how does one find, is it like largely financial based or is it more like fulfillment based? Like how does one quantify when that shift occurs? And that's, that's a great question. And it's a, a perfect, you know, entrepreneurial question. And like you said, at the very beginning, you know, if you're a speaker and you're making a couple thousand dollars to speak, you're going to be saying yes to everything. You're going to go to rotary clubs. You're going to go everywhere that you can that will have you speak. But then eventually you get to a point where you raise your price enough to where now you value that time more. Um, so you'll get to a point where, and, and we're all object. I mean, we're all unique. So there are going to be some people where if they say I'm making X amount of dollars per year from speaking, I don't want to take any more. There are going to be some other people where that money will always be a driver and they won't be satisfied until they're made a hundred million dollars. So you have to find out what's really important to you and where you want to be in that endeavor. Now, as you and I both know, as we continue it as, as entrepreneurs and as you continue with business and personal development, there are literally thousands of unforeseen opportunities that are on the path. And sometimes they'll fall out of the sky and hit us right in the face. But sometimes it's just about being self-aware enough to look around us too. So you're going to be saying yes a lot of times until you get financially where you want to be, whether it be out of debt or making a certain amount of money. And then after that, you'll start realizing that the money is not the most important thing. And a great example of this is uh, I talk about it in my book is that if you ask a 25-year-old person, listen, I can make you a multimillionaire right now, but you'll be 75 years old. Would you rather be, you know, a hundred million dollar, you know, have a hundred million dollar net worth and be 75? Or would you rather be broke right now, but have all the time that you have before you? And even a person at 25 realizes the importance of time because every single one of them will say, I'd rather be broke right now and live my life and have this experience than to be at 75 years old where they feel their life is sort of over and have this financial success, but not be able to have the wherewithal to do anything with it. And that's kind of the way that we should be looking at everything that we do in life and business. And I mean, you're doing it well, you're scaling incredibly well. You're making tremendous impact, tremendous ways in, in this entire endeavor, especially in the keto you know, community. And uh, even, you know, that's why I'm doing some of the things I'm doing now. I would rather put on my own event and have a high caliber of people that, that show up then have, then go to a bunch of other people's events. Um, I, I said, I started saying no to pitch fests, you know, years ago, but even now a lot of people will try to get me to come there. And then even if I don't pitch, they're going to be pitching. So I had to be much more selective about where I'm speaking. And uh, if that means that I say no to more money, I'm okay with that because I would rather have a little bit more of my own time and frankly, integrity than to go out there and um, have a very predatorial kind of mindset about what's going on. 
yeah, I think no matter what, it's I've got like a very hard line drawn with regards to my integrity. Like no matter, no no amount of money or or time or uh, prestige can ever you know breach what I value my integrity at. I, that's it's not worth it at that point. Yeah, once your integrity is for sale, it's just a matter of time before you fall. So speak speaking of uh, different events and, and where you're allocating your time, talk about this one that you've got coming up, man. I'm I'm you invited me uh, to come. I'm. I'm very excited to come. Crystal and I are both going to be there, and I'd love to just kind of flesh out the the event itself and what all we can expect. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so stoked to have you there and, and to have Crystal there. And uh, what this is is what I've seen in so many different events, and I've been to all of them, and I've seen every speaker that you can think of, and I've you know even shared the stage with some of them. And th- what I find so often is that even if they're the best speaker in the world, they had the best material in the world. Once that person leaves the event, they're excited for sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes 10 days, but then they kind of go back to where they were. The event that I'm doing on March 30th in Tulsa, Oklahoma is called Do the Work. And so what we're going to do is we're going to actually go through and we're going to actually do the work. And it's all going to revolve around this this triangle of control is what I call it, or this triangle of power. And that triangle is based on mindset because this is something that we always have power over, that we always have control over. Victor Frankl says between stimulation and reaction and action is our ability to choose. So that's the first part of it. The second part of that triangle is the idea of what we put in our body. So that could be food, that could be water, that could be lack of food, that could be lack of water. That can also be what are we consuming in a social contents component. So what books are we reading? What social media are we listening to? What news are you listening to? Or what are you fasting from? If you're just out even on social media whatsoever, just to give yourself a chance to you know, really relax and kind of see what's really important to you. That's the second part of the pyramid. And then the third part comes down to, uh, again, what you're trying to do from a physical standpoint. So going through and what kind of workout are you doing? What, what are you doing to really push yourself? And all those things come together. So if you're in a three by five room and they say, listen, you know, you can't really do anything here. You can do burpees, you can do push-ups, you can do sit-ups, and that's the physicality component you could have. You can also decide how you feel about if you're eating or if you're not eating. And then you can also use those kind of ideals about putting them all together. So um, for, for your listeners who don't know, I'm an instructor under Bruce Lee's protege, Guru Dan Inosanto. So I have direct lineage to Bruce Lee, and I've loved Jeet Kune Do Bruce Lee's martial art for as long as I can remember. Um, so I'll be teaching some of Bruce Lee's martial art Jeet Kune Do while I'm there because I want to put... I want to show the parallel, not only the philosophy, but the practicality of that martial art. And so, no, we're not going to put on gloves and do UFC stuff, but we're going to go through and we're going to talk about the concept, the principle, why he had his right side forward because that was his strongest side compared to everybody else, why he was able to take components of Wing Chun that were very functional and then put it into a very useful manner compared to, say, a boxer, how this lends itself to everything else that we're doing in our lives, the idea of, you know, absorbing what is useful, discarding what is useless, and then add what is specifically your own, as, as he says. And then we're also going to put the physicality. So we're going to be doing some some hiking. We're going to be doing some marching. And then we're going to actually take those ideals and put them into how do we apply this to business? How do we apply this mindset into our relationships? How do we apply this into personal development? And then put them all together. So we're not just sitting on our ass talking about stuff and waxing poetic. And it's not just a boot camp where you're out there just, you know, getting smoked all day, but now you haven't got anything out of it other than, man, I'm sore and I'm sweaty. It's all this realm that goes across everything that we've done. And every person that we see, whether it be the samurai or the Stoics, there is this Renaissance man kind of theme where you have all of these facets and you're hitting on all of these cylinders. 
And that's the key for us to go to the next level on all these things. And again, there is going to be a lot of things that are going to be pushing us, not just physically. They're going to be questioning ourselves in a lot of different arenas, but that's what we need to do. And even if, even if we don't push ourselves in every possible capacity, the idea is to, to find those areas and those chinks in our armor that we don't normally have and to shine a light on those shortcomings. So that's what we're going to be doing there. It's going to be a, a big day. And I'm also going to have my really good friend, Matt Gagnon, there speaking as in my keynote. And just like I said before, this is not going to be a pitch fest. There's going to be a price that you pay. You're going to get there. And then I'm just going to give you amazing wealth, amazing value, amazing knowledge. Matt's not going to pitch. I'm not going to pitch. And this is going to be more of a, the, the group of people that are coming are going to be so incredible. These are areas of opportunity to be able to collaborate, to be able to, to you know, network. But also adversity really brings people together. And to me, I look at this like a, almost like a graduation. This is the first of its kind that I've done. And the people that are at this, this first event, there's really going to be a, a very cohesive strength to them. And these are people that, you know, not only as friends, but I hope even from, for some people that they're business oriented, this is an opportunity then for to find people that are kind of a similar mindset. And then that networking capacity is going to be tremendous in, in the future as well. So, so thank you for letting me uh, bloviate about that, but I'm really excited to have you there. Um, I'm hoping Danny's going to be able to make it too. And uh, there's a, a lot of stuff I have in store for you guys. And I think it's going to be unlike anything else you've ever experienced. So uh, I'm stoked. No, I'm incredibly excited too, man. Cause I feel like I, I mindset obviously is a huge, huge part in my life and, you know, my success and, or lack of success, you know, I feel like it all comes back to mindset, but there's very few things that I do to be proactive with mindset. At least in my opinion, I feel like I should always be doing more my mindset is, is much more kind of like a consequence of just the things that have happened to me as opposed to the things that I've actively pursued. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for this because it's going to be like a, a very clear direction that I'm taking to improve upon it proactively. Um, and I have utmost respect for you and what all you've gone through and what all you've done. So it'll be awesome to learn from you, man. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm excited to have you. And the, the, like I said, the people that are going to be there is going to be a really really high caliber people. And uh, I'm just really excited to, to see uh, how everybody responds and, and what everybody gets from it. And then in martial arts, they say one teach, but two learn. So I'm going to be getting a lot of knowledge and a lot of reinforcement from it. And, and I'll probably learn a tremendous amount about stuff that I didn't even think about because I'm going to have that very empty cup, that white belt mentality as we go through the material. So it's going to be awesome. I'm excited to learn some martial arts, man. I've always, I've always wanted to learn martial arts. I've always, I mean, I think at some point in life, that will be an outlet that I really pursue. Um, I haven't been able to add that to my pillar like we were talking about, you know, previously, but I definitely want to uh, pursue that going forward. So this will be a good introduction for me. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great foundation. And the beauty of it is nobody's going to walk out with a certification or as a black belt. But the nice thing is, if you can even hold on to a few of those tools or a few of the ideals, even for a, like, if you take a person who's never done martial arts in their entire life and you teach them how to throw a punch and a kick, you will see them stand a little bit more erect. Their shoulders will be back a little bit further. When they walk, they don't have their head down. Now they look more, I wouldn't say a predator, but they definitely don't look like prey because they had that self-belief. So that's why to me, martial arts has been so important because the martial arts are the vessel by which you're able to create mindset. And that's the, the way that that's what makes you move forward with it. So that's, that's why I love it so much. And, you know, even people that just want to get in great shape, that's fine. But 
I think that if they look at it, there's a lot more to that that they can get from it. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I mean, I haven't, like I said, I haven't done really martial arts previously, but I can appreciate and respect how, you know, having the right approach towards that is just like a, a parallel and a synonym for life, man. I mean, you know, living with confidence, living with belief in yourself, being a predator and not prey, living boldly and with purpose. I mean, that all is kind of embodied in in the art of martial arts. Yeah, it's so true. And it's, and, and it, like I said, it lends itself well to um, entrepreneurship. Um, you know, if I'm trying to learn, Bruce Lee says, I, I don't fear the man that has done 10,000 techniques one time. I fear the man who has done one technique 10,000 times. So that, re that, yeah, reinfor exactly. that reinforces that idea of the fundamentals and how anybody who is extremely successful in business, they have a couple of things that are really in their wheelhouse and they just crush that and they own that space. Um, if they're trying to do a bunch of other stuff, that's okay, but they're going to dilute their, their results. It's the same thing with martial arts. If I can teach you two punches and two kicks and then train you and push you and wait until you're tired and do it in the middle of the night and wake you up with it and do it when you're ambushed, now you have this built into your system. But the way that I do it, when I add adrenaline to it, now it hardwires into your system about five times harder and faster than it would if you were just to sit there and just do it lackadaisically. So I've been doing, I've been teaching martial arts for 25 years. I've learned martial arts from some of the best people in the world. I've learned martial arts from even in the military and, and done things with, with police force and stuff, learning and, and teaching them. So I see what works and what doesn't work. And no, this is not going to be like something where we go up there and try to beat each other up, but I'm also going to give you something that is functional and practical that you can walk away with this. And just that self-confidence alone is going to be something, like I said, it's going to help a tremendous amount of people. And again, those small micro adversities are going to behoove you, you know, with huge dividends on the investment, you know, in the future for that ROI. No, I, I'm honestly incredibly excited, man. Like this is going to be a great weekend. I've got, you know, no doubt about that at all. Um, and, and what what weekend is it? the last weekend in March, right? Yeah, it'll be March 30th. It'll be Saturday, and then the, all day Saturday we'll do everything, and then Sunday morning we'll have sort of a, a breakfast and kind of a time and give everybody a chance to to network and, and kind of give us, you know, kind of their thoughts or if there's any questions or anything moving forward. But the idea is to give them definitive skill set, to give them a definitive plan and give them a definitive goal when they're leaving. So it's not just something that they feel good about and then they just throw the the existence, I mean, throw the opportunity and the experience away. The opportunity and the experience is tremendous, but what they take from that and what they put into action is going to be even more important when it's all said and done. And is this is there still any open slots or like if anybody's listening that would be keen to, to go? There's there's a few slots, absolutely. And I'm trying to keep it to where I don't have any more than 30 people there. Because in my mind, if I have more than 30 people and I'm doing the, all the teaching myself, it's going to be hard for me to give them the quality that I want to. So if you want to do it, get in there and get the slots now before they're all taken. And, and what, what's the, the website to, to sign up for that? Uh, you can just go to MarcusReleaseAnderson.com or if you go to, um, you know, there's... Any of my social medias, if you go to my bio, it's going to have the, the link to my Do the Work Live event. And uh, it's it's all on there. And uh, you'll be able to get all the information that you need and get signed up and get your spot before they all disappear. Awesome. Awesome. I'll link out to that in the show notes, too, so people can easily find it and get on it, take advantage of it. Um, Marcus, there's there's very few people I could talk to for 77 minutes and it feel like <laughs> seven minutes, but you're one of them. <laughs> Thank you, man. I feel the same. Yeah, no, I mean, this this is the second podcast we've done. We've, we've been on the phone call, like I said, several times since the last podcast, but we'll have to, you're one of the, you're one of the people that we're just going to have to do like a, like a, a regularly occurring podcast because I feel like every time 
we talk, it, it turns into something that, that other people would benefit from hearing, but also it just, it does me wonders. Ho- hopefully it does something for you, but it does me wonders at least. Oh, no, I, I, I absorb a tremendous amount from you. And uh, like I said, seeing what you're doing and seeing how you're holding yourself and the integrity with which you work, um, that, that inspires me because, uh, as you know, in this space, that's, uh, that's more of the exception than the rule when it comes to this stuff. I appreciate it, man. It's, it's, uh, it's something I'm very proud of. I don't know. I feel like, like we were saying about integrity, like I, I, nothing I ever do in life is ever going to breach that because that's what, that's who I am. Like my word is my bond, you know, like if anything, I mean, no, nothing even comes close. I mean, no sacrifice is worth losing your integrity for. I, I absolutely agree. And at the end of the day, that's all we really have. So if you, if you sell that out or if you break that, then you really have, you're left with nothing. You're empty. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Marcus, until next time, man, I guess I'll see you in person uh, in March, but let's definitely keep in touch. And if you need anything from me, man, you, you've got my number. So definitely don't hesitate to, to reach out. Absolutely. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm, I'm humbled and honored always to be able to speak with you and uh, we'll get you. I'll talk to you obviously in, in a few days, but I'll also uh, have to have you on my podcast. I'll be honored to have you on there. 100% man. Count me in for sure. I'd love to. All right. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care, Marcus.